the hilarious side-splitting new DVD available through Kino Lorber. Ed Robertson, thank you for listening to this special Encore edition of TV Confidential. We'll be back with a brand new edition of the program next week. In the meantime, a reminder that later on in this hour, we will play highlights from our June 2015 conversation with Emmy Award-winning actress Lindsay Wagner. Hi, this is Lee Merriweather, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson, often guest Robert Colbert, star of Maverick, The Young and the Restless, and of course, The Time Turn. Bob is spending some time with us tonight sharing some memories about his film and television career. We will talk specifically about the time tunnel in just a second. But first, there are some actors who, once they shoot something, once it's printed and in the can, they will not watch themselves. Do you, do you watch stuff of things that you've done as, as a rule? Or do you... Well, uh, no, I, I don't from the standpoint of uh, I didn't really have access to it. During my, my time... Uh, remember, we didn't have all the DVDs and the VCRs and all the things that uh, made it possible to get a copy, have a copy, see it again. So once you did it, it was pretty much gone unless they re-ran it from the network itself. But lately, people have been sending me, and I must have about 40 here, uh, old FBI's uh Films like Claudel English and someone sending me a fever in the blood and, and uh, a copy of The Lawyer, a film I did with Sid Fury. And there's some, two or three people have been gathering up uh, episodes from the old Warner Brothers days, the Bourbon Street Beats, the Broncos, the Cheyennes, the Sugarfoots, the Surfside Sixes and the the uh, lawmen and just on and on and on Mm -hmm. and sending me copies of them uh, because I've mentioned I'd like to get some of this put together because my grandkids uh, have fallen in love with Time Tunnel because it came in a in a uh, collector's box of Mm -hmm. all 30 episodes and so every night they would all get together and and watch these shows, and I thought, well, I'll just get a bunch of them and let them, you know, as many as I can put together and let them see them. And so I was running a uh, That Girl the other day. I got a big kick out of that. <laughs> and uh, then they sent me you know, some of the Manics, and they've sent me, uh, they did a spoof in England on Time Tunnel, it's called Drunken Time. Just <laughs> two actors doing the whole thing. They've got the, the them tumbling through time, and they <laughs> tumbling through time. And the guy says, and they've been out there months without any change of clothes, <laughs> and and they stumble into the signing of the Declaration of Independence and bump knock over George Washington and end up signing the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> And they're just—they save the Queen of England in another scene, and they—they they have the Magna Carta and the, and the, the costumes and the and the cars, the props and the, the sets. It's really well done, but it's the funniest darn thing to see. Just a spoof of these two guys. We're just drunk wherever we land. We're stone drunk, <laughs> and we screw up everything we've done. <laughs> Saving everybody, and uh, I was handed that DVD at this uh, show I saw you at out at the the Marriott there, mm-hmm. 
and uh, I just got such a kick out of it. I had no idea. The show has had so much life, it's become kind of a little cult thing. And uh, I did a radio show with uh, a fellow the other day out in the valley, and he had people from Poland and uh, England. They had these groups, and Canada showed up big, and all around the world, people were tuning in to listen to Time Tunnel, all these uh, fans that belong to this little kind of a... It's had a lot of legs over the last 47 years, I believe it's been since we did it. Yeah. But uh, it's fun to, to go out on these signings and see how many hundreds of people show up at these uh, Q&As that they have, and they'll sit there and they'll ask questions. And Jimmy and I were back in Baltimore a few weeks ago, and, boy, we had more darn fun, and we started telling jokes, and the audience just really joined in, and we had such a ball, and I thought, gee, it's almost like being back there again. Mm -hmm. And it's been so many years, but... Still a bunch of people show up to pay homage to that old show, and it gives you a warm feeling. Why do you think Time Tunnel has continues to have such legs, Bob? Is, is it the fantasy element or, um, or just, just the idea of going back in time? Why, why do you think people still can't get enough of that show? Well, it's simply the format. I mean, gosh, when... When we had uh, a show about the Kyber Rifleman, we had all the stock footage from 20th Library, and they put it in there, and it had the uh, visual of a big production, and uh, yet we were able to uh, have an anthology kind of, of show where each week was a different cast, each week was different costumes, and... Uh, it had a, a bit of uh, accuracy to it. It wasn't, of course, uh, on the on the money, but teachers would uh, assign their students uh, a class on mm -hmm. Robin Hood or Pearl Harbor or Krakatoa, and the schools got behind it, and it was well done for the time. We had no computers mm -hmm. in those days or anything, so... The, but it stands up today. If you look at it, you'd be surprised how how uh, good the legs are on that show, and uh, it had a certain novelty to it. That it, it also had some uh, weaknesses, of course. Sure. But it was just it was fun and it was easy to watch, and and people just enjoyed it. And to this day, there's a new crop every year of younger mm -hmm. people coming through. And a lot of the the old fans, they're now parents, and they tell their kids, you know, you gotta, you got uh, DVDs of Time Tunnel, you gotta watch this, <laughs> and the kids get into it. It still stands up. I, you know, I think if it uh, if it didn't stand up, if you didn't uh, feel that that uh, it 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 needed uh, modern uh, photography and everything to uh, make it work. It wouldn't have it, but it still does. You watch it, and you can get involved in it like you did 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why it's still still out there. Of course, Time Tunnel was one of the string of shows that Irwin Allen did for television in the 1960s, in addition to Lost in Space and Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. And 
Um, I get the impression, Bob, that there were that there were two Irwin Allens. There was the showman, who I understood, you know, uh, could be brash, you know, when dealing with you know some of the network people, and there was Irwin Allen, the filmmaker, who was low key when it came to doing the work and whose bark was uh, was much worse than his bite. How does that mesh with your experience of working with Irwin Allen? Well. I have no idea what he was like in negotiation with the uh, network executives, uh, but uh, he was a very thorough man. Gosh, I never saw him when he when he had uh, any temperamental uh, uh, fits of any kind. Uh, he was he, he might be a little terse once in a while, but it would be justified. But there was another facet of Irwin that. Beyond the businessman and beyond the creator, uh, there was a guy who was a fan. Mm-hmm. He was a fan, and that's what inspired him. And he would bring uh, people to the set that he'd worked with in other projects of his. He was uh, an intellectual, uh, uh, there's no doubt about it, his imagination and and how he impacted the industry and what he put on the conveyor belt over his in the span of his career was quite astounding. astounding. And uh, he would bring Victor Mature, Edward G. Robinson on the set. He'd bring Bill Lear, who invented the Lear jet. Mm-hmm. He'd, he'd have uh, some Duke from England, and he'd be there, and he'd be taking them around. He was so proud, and I loved the man. I was one of his pallbearers, and I uh, was honored to uh, to send him off and and be a part of uh, his life. So he was prolific. He was a kind man. I, you know, he he was always very nice to me, and I know he treated Jimmy. He loved Jimmy, and uh, I have nothing to say about him other than he was a genius. You know, I didn't agree with all of the things that he thought would be a good TV fare, but then once he got out of television, got into motion pictures, well, he did The Towering Inferno and mm-hmm. Poseidon. And he did, you know, some films that really made a lot of money and were well-received. So he, I wish he'd come back to TV, but we lost him a little early, and... Uh, I know Time Tunnel was one of his favorites, and that's always made me proud to think that that uh, I was a part of, of that for for whatever reason that uh, he decided to choose me. But I have nothing but high regard for him, and I get nothing bad to say about him. And his wife, Sheila Allen, she lives up the beach here for me in mm-hmm. Malibu, and she's a dear, sweet lady. Uh, and, uh, in fact, I'm going to try to go up and visit her this next week. And I just uh, left Kevin Burns, who uh, pretty much took over Irwin's spot when Irwin passed, and he's been in uh, corroboration with Sheila over those years. And these people are really dedicated, and uh, Irwin inspired a lot of people. He employed a lot of people. He changed the lives of a lot of people, and my thoughts of him are uh, just very fond, very, very warm, and very respectful. Well, the proof is in the pudding, Bob. The fact is, virtually everything 
he did for film and television. People still remember, if people still show, they're still in circulation in one form or another. And as you said, Time Tunnel in particular continues to discover uh, new viewers every year. And so that is a testament to, you know, the level of production that he did. Yeah, he was, he's got a, he's got a good spot in this town. Uh, and he made his mark and he did it the hard way, boy. He ground it out. Nobody handed him anything. Erwin Allen made his mark. So did our guest this hour, Robert Colbert. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Bob, a little earlier in our conversation, you mentioned A Fever in the Blood. A Fever in the Blood is um, uh, one of the feature motion pictures you did uh, while you were under contract at Warner Brothers. What led you to sign a, a contract with Warner Brothers? That's still kind of vague to me how it came about. I remember I was with a lovely lady. Maureen Oliver was my agent at the time, and... Uh, I had just done a couple of uh, films, and there was a time there, probably about uh, six or eight weeks, where things were kind of slow. There was a writer's strike or a pending writer's strike, and there were some things. And so Maureen asked me uh, what I thought about, you know, going under contract to a studio one that was geared to come out with a lot of new TV series. And we talked about it, and I said, well, it wasn't really the most popular thing to do at the time, but I said, uh, you know what, Maureen, I think I'd like that, a little uh, a little consistency, a little security, knowing that I got a weekly paycheck mm-hmm. and a chance to work in a major studio, at a major studio, with a lot of projects in the pipeline and believe me I had no idea what a what a wonderful experience that would be because it equated to me to the time of uh, when I came to the town and MGM was just alive with uh, films being made one after the other they had all these stars under contract and they were all rotating around and doing films and everything and that was the time uh, for motion pictures when it was at its height and its glory and then along came the baby brother TV mm-hmm. and it was kind of looked down on and everything and I was just coming in during this time and it here I was at Warner Brothers and it had everything that MGM had. It had every sound stage was filled with a movie or a TV show. You went in the commissary, there were three, four hundred people in there clanging their dishes and silverware and talking at the top of their voice and it was alive and you went from one show, you would just have it maybe a day or two and they'd say, listen, come on back, we've got a Bourbon Street beat, we want you to start on Monday and then the next week would be a Roaring Twenties, and then, and it was fabulous. And the people that I got to meet, I got to meet Claudette Colbert when she was there uh, doing Parish. And uh, you'd go in the commissary, and you had no idea who you were going to see there. And it, it was exciting. It was alive. I, it was a wonderful decision. I, 
I wasn't there long enough. I wish I'd have been there uh, a couple more years. But what it what happened was uh, there were times when people wanted out of their contracts at Warner Brothers because they weren't making a lot of money. And uh, Jim Garner, he he decided to just walk away from Maverick and everything, and Jack got angry about the whole thing, and he was trying to make Jim's life miserable because he wanted to, uh, he didn't want his people walking away. And so when it came time for me to to have to leave Warner Brothers, I, the reason I did it, if you want to hear the story. And we will hear that story when we come back after this quick time out here on TV Confidential. Hi, this is Jacqueline Smith. You're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson, along with her friend Donna Allen Figueroa, who I understand has a new book out. Yes, it's entitled Fall Again Beginnings. It's the first part of a four-part contemporary romantic series uh, set against the background of working actors. Something that you know a, little, a thing or two well, about. Well, you write what you know, and I have been working in the business for several years. It is not necessarily autobiographical, but it's based on... Sure, many of the experiences that the actors in my book have. Many have happened to me. Many have happened to friends of mine. It's not if you're looking for... Valley of the Dolls, it's not, it's grounded in reality. It is grounded in reality, and it's the first in a series. Yes. Called the Fall Again series. Fall Again. Which is available as a paperback as well as an ebook and in Kindle at fallagainseries.com. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at tvconfidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.